0: Hello, hello! You are listening to Apricity. Apricity means the warmth of the sun in the winter. My hope is that this podcast feels like a warm hug on a cold day. My name is Sion, I'm your host. Today I am joined by a special guest, Carolina Salazar, to talk about all things astrology. She is an astrology whiz and she breaks down understanding your entire birth chart, what it means, how to use astrology to deeper understand ourselves, We talk a lot about pulling yourself out of victim mindset and taking accountability, which I think is such a great topic for this time of the year. I find that when the holidays come around, it can be a pretty triggering time. It's always a really good time to do shadow work and accountability is a huge part of shadow work. And pulling yourself out of victim mindset Carolina has so much wonderful insight, and I'm so happy she was able to come on as a guest. She is the host of Inner Growth Podcast, a certified holistic health coach, a hormone specialist, and a great go-to gal for all things cycle health and body love. I'll link her socials in the show notes, but without further ado, let's get into the episode
1: hi how are you doing today i'm good i'm good i'm getting ready for a trip so i feel like i've been running around doing all the errands the pre-travel prep but i'm feeling excited to be here thank you for having me
0: i'm so excited that you're here we've been wanting to do this for such a long time and i'm glad that we finally have made it happen so are you going back to brazil next week yes I'm going to Brazil in a couple days. Awesome. Are you so excited?
1: Yes. I haven't really traveled that much this summer, so I'm excited to like go somewhere different and see family and like just be back where my roots are.
0: And you're born in Brazil too.
1: Yeah, I was born there in Sao Paulo. I'm going to Rio this week, but I was born in Sao Paulo. I lived there until I was 13 and then I moved to the U.S. So I've lived half my life in Brazil, half in the
0: U.S. Is it a huge difference living there versus here?
1: my childhood was in brazil so it was my youngest years before i like got my period like before i became quote-unquote a woman or like even a teenager that was like my time there so it's a lot more innocent i think in my memories and then my teenage years and adulthood has been in the u.s so i think that definitely kind of taints my experience but
0: Culturally, it is pretty different. I kind of feel like I'm not 100% of either. I bet that's so healing for your inner child to go back there because you associate your childhood with it. It's really nice to have that separation between the two. Exactly. I feel like there's a lot of diet culture still in Brazil. Do you think that's mostly with older family members or people just around your age too?
1: I definitely notice it a lot with older family members. Just it being super normalized to comment on people's weights. Like I notice a lot of people going to the gym or to do things that are considered healthy for just aesthetic reason. Not everyone there like does it for the reason of feeling good. It's a lot of like looking good as a motivator. I do notice how it permeates into people closer to our age, but I think it's a lot less present. Like I think our generation is
0: just better in terms of that. Yeah, I feel like it's really challenging Even in the U.S., my older family members still make comments where I'm just like, oh my gosh, I don't care that this is low fat. I don't care. Exactly.
1: Or when they have to burn it off. Like for me, that's the worst when like we're leaving a dinner and everyone's like, oh, we're going to leave here rolling like a wheelbarrow, like gym tomorrow, like diet starts
0: tomorrow. Like, oh, oh God. I'm glad that that is very much, I think in L.A., I see it not really being as much of a thing anymore I don't hear that in workout classes as much anymore it's good I feel like there's
1: been a a progressive change like in the U.S. even though there still is diet culture and it still kind of lives in our subconscious even in the marketing and like in the fitness classes there's definitely been an improvement though it's still kind of there
0: that's why I love so much what you're doing online and we can kind of talk about what you're doing, who you are, because I think your message is just so healthy that you're sending out and I really resonate with it. So I'd love for you to share more about what you're doing thank you what i share has evolved since i started posting in 2020
1: when i first started it was a lot more sharing my journey like i was doing the 75 hard challenge i was just kind of sharing to share and then it evolved in itself because i started also having like a personal awakening in my personal life like at the same time as i started to post going to therapy and reading the power of now and like personal growth books and doing shadow work and meditating it was like all at once and so i really learned about holistic health very quickly and that kind of started shaping how I showed up online and then I went to IIN to become a health coach and it just kept on evolving but I feel like right now like at this point in my journey really what I hope to achieve of showing up online is just helping women love themselves more and love their body better and to choose healthy things out of self-love and out of understanding themselves and their body and kind of like choosing health out of loving themselves instead of hating themselves that kind of looks like so many different things in some ways it's learning about your cycle and cycle thinking other ways it's learning how to fuel yourself and how to intuitively eat and understand how to nourish yourself but have balance to like have that drink or go get the dessert And then in some other ways, it's like the mental and the emotional health of like understanding how you feel and understanding why you feel certain things and getting into like your mental health and that kind of ties into your mindset. And if that's not good, then everything else gets kind of out of whack. Astrology also, just infusing astrology as a tool to like understand yourself and understand how you are and how other people are different and how to meet them where they're at. Truly like that's what astrology is to me. It's just like a tool for more self-awareness. And the better I know myself, the more I can understand myself and then give myself compassion if things are hard or if things are not going a certain way
0: yes totally and that's what I love about you so much is I feel like you aren't just one thing and you don't show up on social media in just one way I think there's a lot of pressure nowadays to kind of put yourself in a box and be like I am just hormone health or I am just fashion you know there's definitely a lot of pressure to conform to that so I've always loved that you're like super into astrology but then you also love a running and then you also love hormone health but then you also talk so much about self-love and you're very vulnerable online so I think that you've created this really special safe place for people to kind of come to and let's dive more into astrology a little bit and talk about your big three let's do it before we do I just want to kind of
1: validate what you said though because I feel like for so long like this is a struggle I think a lot of content creators have is like trying to fit into a box Tying into my astrology, I have a Gemini Venus. It's like, I don't want to be put into a box. It's like, I want to be a lot of things. And I want to accept that about myself. And for so long, I've thought that like, I can't be two things at once. And I think the more I've embraced it, the more people have seen it in a good way also and being like, oh yeah, it's so cool that you like know all about all these different things and how they all tie together in a way. And that's holistic health. Like holistic health, it cannot be put into a box because that's the whole thing. Your health is integrated with everything. But my big three, we both have Cancer Moons, which I love. And then I have a Taurus Sun and an Aries Rising.
0: I love your big three.
1: Thank you. It's taken me a little bit of a while to like fully accept my big three, but I love it now.
0: It's just so many different energies, and I have that too with my big three. Like, we're both earth suns, we're both water moons, and then you're a fire rising, I'm an air rising. It can be kind of challenging to work with all of those things, but then also you learn to value what they each bring to the table. Exactly. Exactly. So I'd love to know what you like the most about your big three or what you resonate the most with. I
1: feel like I resonate with everything in my chart, but like the biggest learning for me has been the balance of Taurus and Aries because they're neighboring signs. So Aries is the first sign of the Zodiac. Taurus is the second, but they're very different. Aries is the fire. It's like, let's go. Let's be impulsive. Let's take action. Let's not wait. Like, let's do it now make mistakes and learn from them. But it's also very much like leadership. Like, I got this. People feeling like they can be around you and things are going to get handled. But then Taurus energy is like slow and steady wins the race. It's like, being more methodical with things and having more of a long-term vision. But also because you're so long-term focused, then you can kind of like sink into the moment and like enjoy the journey more because you're not rushing anything. And I feel like I resonate so much with both. And the more that I've leaned into my Taurus, the more I've felt better because every time I've been into my Aries too much and just gone so fast, it's great because I get a lot done. But... If I go too fast, my nervous system gets so dysregulated. I'm all over the place. And I really think that my approach to health overall now is very much a sustainable, healthy lifestyle. And a sustainable, healthy lifestyle is literally Taurus energy. It's like, how do you set habits in place that are going to last you for the long run? And therefore, if they're in place and like you have these habits that you can show up for frequently because they're nice, they're fun, they're nourishing, then you can actually get results. Instead of trying to go too fast and then being in that zero or 100 energy. So I feel like leaning into my Taurus has helped me more than I thought.
0: So do you think right now you resonate the most with your Taurus?
1: Absolutely. Even when I was traveling last week to come to Florida where I'm at right now, I remember like I was going to the airport And normally I'm like, leave it to the last minute, pack on the day of, rush out of the door. Uber's already here, rush through security. I was traveling by myself. The first time that when doing that, I packed the day before, I made a packing list. I made sure I had everything. I like left with time to spare. I had lunch before I left. I like got to the airport. I did not like worry for a second. Like made through security with ease. Sat in my in the airplane. I had my snack. It was so seamless. I was like, it's gonna be okay. Like I'm, I'm on time. Then I got home and I was like so well rested. Like I did not feel anything. Like any dysregulation from traveling. Like in my gut, in my energy. And I think that's just a, an example of how that kind of plays out in like a, a silly way.
0: It's crazy how as you get older, you kind of learn what works for you. That's my favorite part about getting older. Like a lot of people are afraid to get older, but I'm like, I love realizing, no, like I need to take time the night before I leave for a trip to pack everything, to double check things. And then the next day when I go to the airport, I want to give myself extra time so I'm not rushing. And I think when you're younger, you're always just kind of in this state of chaos I don't know if you feel that way but when I was younger I was just like never was fully prepared for things and I feel like now that I get older I realize moving at a slower pace not doing so much letting myself just like take my time actually really does help me be living in the most optimal way like happier happier yeah I feel
1: like I used to get be a little scared of growing up. But at the same time, I always wanted to get older. Like when I was younger, I was always that that teenager that's like, oh, like I want to be an adult. I want to be in that moment or before I got to college, I already wanted to be there. Before I graduated from college, I already wanted to be graduated. Before I moved to New York, I already wanted to be there. And just realizing everything has its time. Nothing is permanent. And so just enjoy the moment and enjoy how fleeting things are because things change all the time. Every year when I look back on the year before, so much has changed.
0: That's what being present is. You realize that you only have so many summers in your lifetime. I was thinking about that because I'm in Colorado right now and I'm staying with my dad who lives here. And... I was like, oh, I have so much work to do. I have to do all these things. And then my dad is like, can you just go for a hike with me today? And it was like a Sunday. I could have been going for a hike. And I was like, you know what? I only have so many hikes left with him in my lifetime. And so I need to make sure that I'm enjoying these moments because... It's not going to last forever. And I think the same thing happens when you have kids and they're small, like you want to be present with them because they're only going to be little for so long. And yeah, that's something I've been thinking about a lot more lately.
1: I've been reading a lot of fiction books by this author called Elin Hildebrand. Amazing. And one of them is called 28 Summers. But all of them have kind of had this theme, sudden things that change in all of the books. And When you read fiction and you read from like the perspective of someone else, especially like a mom, for example, and like you understand the perspective of a parent or a position that you're not in yet, you really learn a lot. And one thing that these books have all taught me is exactly what we've been talking about. Things are so fleeting and your parents get older. Like one day your parents are going to be in a place where like you need to take care of them more than you do now, you know, or like more than they're not going to be the ones taking care of you. And so enjoying your parents when they're like in vibrant health, enjoying your friends when things are good, enjoying like your significant other and yourself and just being really grateful when things are good and being really present with everything because things are always changing. And one of my biggest things that happen often with me, I think it's my cancer energy, is like looking back in the past and being like, damn, like can't believe that ended. Like I wish I could have lived that like more fully
0: I'd love to dive more into astrology since I've never had anyone on the podcast that really knows about astrology. So I feel like it'd be cool if you could just break down someone's natal chart if they want to get into it. Where do they start? What do they look at?
1: Let's do it. In terms of like what a birth chart is, basically on the day that you were born, at the time that you were born, in the city that you were in, the stars and the constellations and the planets in the sky were in a specific place. And That kind of shapes this map that shows where all of those planets are in each constellation that it's in, in the moment that you were born. So what I always say is like, think of today. Like, how are things feeling today? Is the energy good? Are you feeling a little bit of a heavier energy? Like, are you feeling a little more like jumbled in your thought? Planets right now are in a specific sign. And if someone was born today, as they grow and develop, they're going to have to work with this specific energy of this day, embodied, like in their physical reality, and so the big three, which is what we frequently talk about, is the sun, the moon, and the rising. Right. So the sun is like how you shine. It's like think of the sun, like it illuminates everything. The star sign, the zodiac sign that your sun is in, is how you shine and like the energy that you emanate and what you illuminate around you. The energy that you illuminate, and then the moon. I think in the in the nighttime. You can still see things when you're outside when the moon is shining. But it's like a little more nuanced and there's more shadows. Like every time the moon is out, like everyone's looking up. Oh my gosh, like look how beautiful the moon looks. So it's the side of you that's more nuanced, but that's still lovable, even if it's not perfect, even if it's not calling so much attention. It's more like your emotions and the things that are kind of like underneath the surface that you're not necessarily showing all the time. And then the rising sign is kind of like, how you see the world and how the world perceives you so it's like your ego it's like the things that you identify as and also your highway that you're driving on it's kind of like which car are you in what road are you driving on like how are you seeing things what perspective do you have and then there's other elements of your chart which are other planets which are all the planets in the solar system so mercury venus mars jupiter saturn uranus neptune and pluto And they all have their own meanings, so we can dive into that. And then also, your rising sign is what determines the whole structure of your chart. Because if you look at a birth chart, it looks like a pie. And the pie has 12 slices. So the rising sign determines the first slice, which is your first house. And then it goes onwards from there, second, third house, etc. And each house has a different meaning. So the houses are like the areas of your life. The first house is the rising sign. So it's like how you perceive the world, your body, your ego, what you identify as. And then the second house is how you value things. Like what is important to you? How do you value yourself? How do you experience the world through the senses? Anything like that. And like also money a lot of the times. The third house is how you communicate. Your environment and like your immediate environment whether it's your neighbors, your siblings, the city that you live in. The fourth house is like your base. It's like your home, your house, your parents, your upbringing, the home that you build. But it's a lot of like childhood, who you are when you're alone at home, like just cozy, like you're not like trying to be around people. You're just by yourself. Then the fifth house is how you shine and how you love and how you have fun in your life think like you're well rested like you spent some time at home now you're ready to like go out and like have a hobby and like try different things because you're well rested you're relaxed and then the sixth house is how you keep yourself like healthy so it's like your day-to-day routines wellness your habits your self-care your job the things that you do on a daily basis so that's the first half of the chart then when you go on to the next half it's like opposite every single one of those other houses so the 7th house is opposite the 1st. The 8th is opposite the 2nd. So they have similar themes but kind of opposite, like mirrored. So the 7th house is your relationships while the 1st house is yourself. So 7th house is like how are you around other people? What do you need in other people to balance you out? Like what energy do you not have that much that like you kind of need in your life more? The 8th house, which is opposite the 2nd, is like while the 2nd house is what do you value and like what do you build and How do you approach your own money? The eighth house is what do you inherit? What's underneath the surface? What are your subconscious beliefs that are maybe affecting what you value or what you think is valuable? What's your wounding? Kind of like the bottom of an iceberg. Like that's the eighth house. The ninth house opposite the third, which is your neighborhood, your like immediate environment, communicating, learning from people. The ninth house is like, traveling to faraway lands it's like going on trips and seeing other cultures and learning from that but also like going to become an expert in something or like your life philosophy that you're forming as you're learning all these different things and then the 10th house which is obviously the fourth which is your the fourth being your private self it's your as your public self so it's your career it's what you're building it's your legacy it's what you're Kind of projecting out into the world when you're not home, when you're in your job, when you're in social media, when you're in a group presentation, whatever. We're almost there. The 11th house, which is opposite the fifth house, is like your friends. While the fifth house is more your fun, your hobbies, when you're alone, your romantic partner, having some romance and like fun like that. The 11th is like, what are you building in your groups? And when you're around other people, what are you like? And then the 12th house, which is opposite the sixth house, it's your spiritual management. It's like, how do you keep yourself healthy in your inner world? Sleeping, meditating, that deep self-care. But it's also similar to the eighth house because it's more that subconscious. It's like working through those like limiting beliefs, kind of taking care of yourself in that way and like looking at self-sabotage. Like, what are you doing that's getting in, your, in the way of your health? That can be your 12th house too. So that's like the areas of your life. And if you don't know your rising sign, you won't know which sign rules each of those houses because the rising sign determines the first house. So for example, in my chart, I'm an Aries rising. So my first house is Aries. And then the second house, third house, fourth house just goes in the same order of the zodiac. So Taurus being my second, Gemini being the third, Cancer being the fourth, etc. But for example, you, you have a Gemini rising. So Gemini is your first house And then cancer is your second house. Well, for me, it's my fourth. And then Leo is your third. So the area of your life that involves money is ruled by cancer. Money and physical pleasures and values and what you're building in terms of your own financial reality. Like you're approaching it from the energy of cancer and I'm approaching it from the energy of Taurus. So whenever you figure out your rising sign, you can figure out every single one of your houses, which carries a lot of meaning astrology is the most analytical of all the spiritual things because there is a method and like kind of like a
0: formula i'm so impressed by all your knowledge like this is so i've never had it explained at this depth and you just explained it so clearly like i was able to follow along with everything you said and be like okay yeah like so for someone who's maybe first wanting to get into astrology. What placements would you recommend they look at in their chart to maybe optimize in their life a little bit or learn more about themselves?
1: I think a good place to start is using like any of the apps that are out there. My favorite one is the pattern. It's really, really amazing. And also the app Chani is pretty good. Or you can just go on astro.com and click charts and pull up your chart and you're gonna be able to see the like more specific like pie that I've been describing. And then I would just recommend reading sun moon rising mercury venus and mars so your big six is what we call it because venus and mars give a lot of clues into like your romantic life and your friendships also your relationships because venus is what you value in other people and what you find attractive in other people but then mars the sign it's in it's kind of what do you feel fired up about What do you want to take action towards? What motivates you? And also what's like undeniably attractive to you? What are you naturally pulled to? So for example, in my chart, I have a Venus in Gemini and a Scorpio Mars. I love in my relationships whether it's friends or romantic relationship when it comes to Venus and Gemini to like talk really deeply and like learn a lot and be kind of you know super curious and want to read a lot of books and have conversations like oh what book did you read recently oh I heard this podcast you know sending messages and communicating being very dynamic in that way but then with my Scorpio Mars like Scorpio is all about depth. So it's like, I'm super interested in the psychology of things. And like, why do people think certain things? I'm always asking why. So it's kind of like how I approach things. It's like how I take action. Like that's that's your mars also it's like how do you take action and then your venus is how do you receive and what do you like receiving i also like giving a lot of depth which is the mars that's what i like taking action towards making people feel safe to share their darkest sides and a lot of people are always coming to me and saying oh my gosh i've never said this to anyone
0: if i am a capricorn venus and a libra mars what does that mean
1: Okay, so again, Venus is what you find attractive when people give to you, right? It's like how you like receiving things and also just in in general, what is valuable to you. What are your values? What do you value in other people? So it's like general words for Venus is values and receiving and attractive. So a Capricorn Venus to me loves when other people give them structure and give them like, this sense of we're in it for the long run. Because Capricorn is like the most resilient and long lasting of the signs. Like it's persistent and it's determined to like get to the top of the mountain and just stay the course. Like it doesn't give up very easily. So I'd imagine you are like this, but you also like when other people make you feel like okay like we're friends for a lifetime i got you like i'm gonna be here for you in like the tough moments and we're gonna ride it out together but it's also like valuing overall things like that so like you also being attracted and attractive to other people because you exude these qualities so that's kind of like the venus in in capricorn and the mars is like what you like taking action towards and also like what you like giving to other people and what you feel passionate about so Mars being in Libra, which is a sign that's the ruler of the seventh house, all about relationships, it's like feeling passionate about meeting people and keeping the peace and like not wanting to take action in a way that's going to cause harm to anyone, like wanting to take action that's going to actually create equilibrium for everyone around you and for yourself. It's like taking action towards balance and then also just feeling passionate about that, feeling passionate about cultivating relationships being able to bring different perspectives and like see different points and understand that everyone's different there's not one right answer and in that cultivating equilibrium as you're taking action
0: both of those are so true in romantic relationships, I really look for someone who is stable and like can be my rock because I feel like I'm a very like airy, like dreamy kind of person. I'm like, I need someone, you know, how they always talk about the feminine and the masculine, like the masculine is the rocks and then the feminine is the river that flows through. Like I need romantically someone who's the rocks. Isn't Mercury in retrograde right now? Or it's like about to enter
1: Today, it went retrograde.
0: (laughs) What does that mean?
1: Any retrograde, what it means to me, things kind of go inwards. It's like less about the external world and more about your internal world. It's kind of like you're backtracking to realign so that you can go forwards better. Imagine you're driving and you're like down this road. Then you realize you're past your stop. And then you have to do a U-turn and go down backwards in the street you already drove down to actually realign and like go down the right street. So it's like the same thing. And then you have to look at which planet is retrograde. So when Mercury is retrograde, it's like your thought processes and how you're communicating relating to that sign. This Mercury retrograde is in Virgo. So which house does Virgo rule for you? For you, because you're a Gemini rising, Gemini is your first, Cancer is your second, Leo is your third and Virgo is your fourth. So it's funny because you're in this phase right now where you're back home with your dad. You're also probably going to go back to LA and you're realigning like your home. That's what Virgo is for you. It's like the the base of your chart. It's like your private life. Realigning like how are you thinking about that? Because Mercury rules our communication, our thoughts, how we speak. So it's like realigning how you think about all of those things. Like how do you feel about how do you feel about your home? How do you feel about your parents? What are you thinking about all those things? But for example, Saturn has been retrograde. It goes retrograde every year for like four months and it has been retrograde since June. And Saturn represents the structures in our life, the future. It represents our money. How do we think about our security and what we're building? I've been having so many conversations with people about where are we are going next? We're realigning like with our future goals. Maybe you're realizing that, You're changing goals and you want to go in a different direction for the future. What's your future orientation? Saturn retrograde gives you a moment to like realign with that. And then we also have Venus retrograde right now. It's like, how are you realigning how you're approaching your romantic relationships and your close relationships and your relationship with yourself? It's like just a realignment. Like it's just a slowing down. If you have to do like a 360 turn or like change something, kind of have to slow down first to like course correct. You can't just like out of nowhere course correct. You need that time to like realize that you need to course correct so that you can make the changes. So that's what any retrograde kind of does.
0: So how do you do that when you're like, oh, I need to slow down and change course? What do do you recommend for people? just start
1: having more compassion with yourself if you feel stuck in that area of your life like with mercury retrograde just like notice if you're having ruminating thoughts or if you feel like you're not communicating properly or you're thinking a lot of things journal get to understand your thoughts like understand what's going on in your brain understand what you're thinking about and give yourself time to figure it out like you don't need an immediate answer and the best thing i think also is just not trying to fix things immediately the instinct when we're stuck or when we're feeling in this funk is like how can I make this go away quickly like right now but you have to realize you have to be stuck in the mud a little bit for you to realize your way out and probably once the retrograde ends you're gonna have that clarity a lot better so I would say journal observe your thoughts understand your patterns like you have to journal a few times to realize if you're journaling about the same thing over and over And then you can realize, oh, this is what's bothering me. I've written about it like five times already. And then you can start having that awareness to then maybe think about what you want to do about it. And then I'd say not jump into anything so fast. Just give yourself a little bit of time and maybe wait until the retrograde passes to like completely take that action because you're not going to have as much momentum until the retrograde passes.
0: So do you have tips for someone who's like, You're journaling the same thing over and over again. This is the thing that's bothering me. How can someone take more accountability in their life to change those things?
1: My life only really changed when I actually became responsible for what I was contributing to my life. And so the best question to ask yourself is how am I getting in my own way? Because that's the one thing you can change. The alternative is being in a victim mindset, thinking other people owe you things. My life sucks. There's nothing I can do about it. It just sucks. Or, oh, it's that person's fault. It's that situation's fault. It's the past's fault. These things happen and therefore there's nothing you can do about it. And life is just the way it is. And it's just going to be like this forever. Personal responsibility is just being like, I have power and I can change this. And I am responsible for my life. Like no one's going to come save me. And the universe can be on your side and it is always on your side, but you have to choose to see the good. You have to choose to see what's not good and then start making moves to change it. And once you start, the universe meets you. And it's like, okay, like, let me amplify this. And that's when you start experiencing more and more growth. But you have to be the first person to get really real with yourself and be that person that's going to give you the tough love and just be like, I love you to yourself. I love me. And I know that I'm not showing up as my best self. Like, I know that I'm contributing to this shitty situation that I'm in. And even if I can't change the situation from my boss's standpoint, from my boyfriend's standpoint, from my friend's standpoint, I can change it from mine. And I can just do that by owning the ways I'm showing up that are not so good. Maybe you're someone who's really reactive and you sometimes like speak too fast and you lash out and then that trickles a miscommunication and an argument and then the other person starts getting mad and the other person starts getting you know activated and then it you're like oh but you're screaming at me like maybe you're the first one who lost the temper or maybe you're someone who's like really passive aggressive and you never communicate what you want and you always expect people to know what you need and then you feel like you're a victim Oh no one ever does anything for me like no one ever understands me like i'm the misunderstood one but what can you do you can maybe start being more direct and like actually asking for what you want or expressing when someone crossed your boundaries if you don't want to experience the results of your passive aggressiveness then stop being passive aggressive and like actually change something about how you're showing up
0: i think it's hard for people who have been victims in their life because I mean, there are are situations where we are victims. And I think when you're in that mentality, it can be easy to get trapped in it in every area of your life where it's like, oh, things just happened to me and people treat me this way and it's their fault, not mine. It's really hard to get to that point where you have to ask yourself, okay, like, how am I showing up in these relationships? How am I contributing to maybe these cycles that repeat? Because if you have something that happens over and over and over again, a lot of the times the common factor is you. I'm not saying that in like a be hard on yourself type of way.
1: But it's like, it's out of love. Like to look at yourself and observe your patterns. It's not because you're like looking at yourself and being like, it's all my fault. I suck. Why am I doing all this? It's like, no, it's actually supposed to be empowering and to be like, oh, wait, if the common denominator is me, that means I can also be the one to change the situation and stop the pattern. Like unlock a different version of yourself.
0: Every time I've been in a situation where I've been in a victim mindset, I think the first step is forgiving yourself and being kind to yourself and not being like a drill sergeant, like, oh my God, why do you keep doing this? Or why do you keep perpetuating these situations?
1: Because then again, that's still a victim mindset.
0: People don't realize that you can be soft with yourself while also having really strong boundaries with yourself. And being like, this is the cycle we keep repeating and so in order to break this cycle, this is what we have to do. But I'm also going to forgive you, like talking to yourself. Like I forgive you for everything that you did before because you were just doing the best you could at the time. And that's the truth for everyone.
1: Yes, especially when this victimization is like legitimately like something really bad happened. Maybe you did not do anything. You do the reflecting and you think like, how did I contribute to the situation? And you're like being completely, fully honest with yourself. The best thing you can do is just take a lesson away from it. Maybe about the other person, about who you want in your life, about the situations you want to be in or not. What did you learn? Because you definitely learned one thing at least. What can you do with that lesson to show up better in the future and to choose differently? And I think like I used to be so much in a victim mindset. I used to be so much in this mindset of like, it's their fault. It's their fault. It's their fault. It's the world's fault. I think stopping this avoidance of myself and my truth and my shadow and actually like shining light on my shadow and on the dark stuff in my life, the ways I show up that are not the best, the self-sabotage things that I would do and just taking lessons and not beating myself up over it. The best thing you can do is just make peace with your past and be like, I can't change it. Like you cannot go back, but you... Are taking steps to the future every single day. And so how you show up today and how you implement the lessons will help you create a different reality going forward.
0: So when has been a time in your life where you've done that, where you've had to be like, okay, I'm going to create a new reality for myself?
1: <laughs> I actually will share something really vulnerable. I haven't really shared this that much on my own social media, but I'm feeling called to share it right now. One thing came up for me in 2022 into this year was my relationship with cannabis I started smoking a little bit more and it started reminding me a lot of like when I was in college when I used to smoke after the library after I came back home and overeat and then feel bad about my body and feel guilty and feel shameful and then work out for the wrong reasons and a few months ago I just had this like awakening and this realization and just kind of like hard talk with myself where I was like this is not making me feel good every time that it would happen I would feel out of control and I would feel disconnected from myself and I would feel like I would eat things and like feel guilty the next day and guilt myself and fall down these spirals and as someone who was trying to make a difference in the space of empowering people in their relationship with their body like that was getting in the way of my relationship with my body and it was also causing a lot of anxiety for me and it was causing me to feel a lot more disconnected from people in my life. And so I decided to stop using cannabis like completely and it has been game changing. And I felt like a victim to that situation for so long because I was like, I don't have any control. I'd make excuses. And it's been really beautiful because it was a hard change. And in making that change, like I've created a different reality. And it's been amazing. It's been so empowering And it's been different than it was before. It's been so, so good. And I feel like I'm in such a better place with my body. I feel way more in tune with myself. My anxiety and my nervous system are way better. And that's just my personal experience with cannabis. Like, I don't think it's bad at all. And like, I don't think it's like the issue of cannabis. It can be very healing for many people. And it's just been something recent for me, for example, that was kind of like a shadowy thing and I just had to get really real with myself and make the change and make a change that I wanted to make.
0: Yeah, <laughs> much for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that on here. Cause I feel like a lot of people are going to be able to relate to that. And it reminded me of when I used to struggle with binge eating and I would be like, why is this happening? And I just like would repeat the cycle over and over again where I would like restrict like crazy, be so starving. I binge ate because my body was so deprived and I would eat stuff that didn't make me feel good. I would eat like half a jar of nut butter. Cause I was just like so hungry. I realize I am creating this cycle in my life by restricting myself all day long and then being so starving that I'm lying to myself. I'm not a victim here. I'm the one who's creating this cycle that perpetuates over and over again. I think it's really, really hard to get real with yourself, especially when it comes to things that do bring you joy in some way in your life, even if it might be being used in like an unhealthy way. What role it's playing in my life
1: there's a lot of different things we experience and there's a lot of tough situations we experience. Some of those situations are like very tied to someone else, right? Maybe it's in your romantic relationships or relating to your parents or siblings or someone you knew. There's some situations that are tough that are involving other people. And those situations, usually it takes two to tango, like in some way, like There's always a mirroring happening or a projection happening, or it's two people with their own wounding interacting with each other, and so that's one thing. And then in the other case, there's a lot of suffering that we experience that's simply from ourselves, so we're putting ourselves through it. And in my life, like a lot of the hardest things that I've experienced have simply been from my relationship with myself and things that I've imposed on myself that weren't good, whether it was like a thought pattern, a habit. Or like an addictive tendency of just like overdoing it on certain things. Or underdoing it on certain things. Or like being kind of extreme. And so it's also about understanding that in your own life. And like understanding how there's differences. in how you might be in that victim mindset. Like there's different situations in which that comes up.
0: The best way to start to cultivate awareness. For maybe where you might be in a victim mindset. Is asking yourself where are there cycles in my life that are repeating? And I think it's hard to, (laughs) it's hard in every situation to, to always be like, I'm not the victim.
1: Because like the easiest route is to fall to like a victim mindset.
0: You're not looking
1: at your shadow. Like you're avoiding the sides of you that you don't want to look at, that you're not proud of. Some parts of us aren't the most pretty. And, we don't want to put them on blast and so it's about looking at those parts of yourself like in a situation for example like oh this person keeps lashing out at me when they lash out are you setting a boundary are you expressing that it's not acceptable are you leaving the room like are you doing something about it or are you just letting it happen every single time even though it's the other person literally being aggressive or like lashing out or getting angry maybe the way you're acting or responding to that situation is signaling to that person like this is acceptable
0: Sometimes it's really hard to remove people in your life that are like that or that refuse to change after you've communicated things, after you've, you know, done everything you can to try to fix what's going on. And that really is self-love when you walk away or when you like say, okay, this relationship is no longer healthy for me. It is hard because sometimes it takes a lot of mental strength and resilience to walk out of those situations.
1: Yeah, I actually recently read a book called 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do. It's a very good book. It's like pretty easy to read. I was just reading like a chapter at breakfast each day. So definitely recommend it to everyone listening. But I feel like in kind of the sense of like self-love as a concept, I personally think that yes, you know, showing love to yourself can be treating yourself to things or buying that shoe or getting your hair done, whatever. Like, it probably will make you feel good about yourself in some way to do things like that, but the hardest things you can do are usually the most self-loving things, whether it's setting a boundary or, like, going on a solo date with yourself and, like, sitting in public by yourself to read a book or to have a meal or expressing how you feel like being honest with someone else or with yourself or journaling or meditating or taking time to cook for yourself or doing a hard workout to me those are the most self-loving things but usually they're not necessarily easy but the more you do hard things the more you realize how capable you are and you develop this inner strength and you grow i think that's the most beautiful part
0: of life totally it's resilience so I started seeing a new endocrinologist, and we can jump into talking about hormones after this, but she said to me, she's very holistic in her practice, and she was like, okay, well, are you waking up every single day at the same time? Because you know your body runs on a clock. And I was like, honestly, no, I don't wake up every day at the same time. And she was like, okay, well, you need to set a time every single day that you want to get up and I was like telling her I work till like nine o'clock at night sometimes and she was like that is not good for your hormones like she kind of just looks at everything in your life and she was like this is what I want you to do I want you to go outside for 20 minutes first thing in the morning get your sunlight and then I want you to go do your workout I want you to be in a pattern." And then I want you to do cold water immersion. And when she said the cold water immersion part, I was just like, "Oh, every morning? Like every morning you want me to be in cold water?" And she was like, "You live in Colorado, you don't have an excuse." Like, you live near a river. And I was like, "Yeah, I know, but I don't I don't want to do that." But she was like, "Okay, well, you're struggling with fatigue, so why don't we do something that's going to help that holistically?" And it's only going to take 10 minutes of your day to do it. Cause I'm only in the water for like a minute, two minutes. And I, this morning was my first morning of doing it. My first morning getting up at that time, going and doing it. And the whole time I was just fighting myself so hard. I was like, I don't want to do this this morning. It's cold this morning. And I did it because I was like, okay, I need to like hold myself accountable here. I will feel better if I do it. And it totally just, like, reset my body. And I've had so much energy all day today. It's evening right now, and I feel great. And I didn't need, like, a bunch of caffeine to function. So I think that sometimes, like, knowing that things are just going to suck when you're doing it, and then after you're going to feel good, (laughs) is is one of the hardest parts of really developing that self-love especially
1: when you're trying anything new the beginning always is gonna kind of suck especially when it's a hard thing that you're implementing that is good for your health or it's good for your mental health like or for your hormone for example if someone hasn't been working out regularly and then you start working out again it sucks in the beginning like you feel weak you feel like your body's failing you you're like super sore the next day but if you don't keep it up you're always going to be on day one and then you're never going to see the good results out of it. It's going to be hard when you're getting outside of your comfort zone. But if it's out of self-love and you're approaching it out of like, I'm doing this for me, the more you do it, the more confident you become in yourself and the more resilient, which has been a big theme, I think.
0: Whenever I have guests on, I always ask them to post on their story to have their followers ask them questions. And so Carolina is going to read and answer some of those.
1: Okay, let's do it. Do you want to answer them too? I feel like it'd be cool if we both answer them. Okay, first question is, what animal do you identify most with? I would say for me, I'm a mix of a butterfly and a lion. Butterfly, because I feel like I'm always talking about transformation and the process of evolving and shedding old skin. So I resonate a lot with that. And then also a lion because in my astrology, my north node is in Leo. I feel like I'm constantly trying to tap into more of this energy of like being able to shine and take up space and lead. And lead from a place of like being the example as opposed to like telling people what to do. And I feel like that's what the Leo represents. Just like taking risks and being bold and shining bright.
0: I love that. I also have a north node, Leo. That's a really great placement because it's like, oh, you're here in this lifetime to learn to shine and be heard. What animal do I resonate the most with? I think it's a fox because I have a very introverted side to me. For the most part, actually a pretty introverted person, even though I put myself out online so much.
1: They're kind of mysterious, I was going to say.
0: But they're also really playful. I just love them. So if I could be an animal, I'd probably be a fox.
1: Okay. The next one is, are you taking any minerals with your water? And my answer is yes. I've been taking the Peak BT Fountain Electrolytes and they're chef's kiss. It's so good. I've been taking it every day and I feel like it's been helping me feel so much more hydrated, more energized. And like, I didn't even realize I needed them.
0: We need electrolytes. It's so funny because I feel like this is kind of a recent trend, but My dad has been so, he's really into health and he's been so into electrolytes for such a long time. And I never understood how different I feel when I take them versus when I don't. Because here in Colorado, it's so dry here. You get so dehydrated, especially if you're like hiking and working out. Like your body just needs, really needs those minerals. So I take, he has noon here, but I like the taste of liquid IV better.
1: Your dad is just a wellness king. We love it.
0: He is a wellness king, honestly.
1: Okay, what are your favorite types of workouts? Mine is a mix of strength training, so like lifting and Pilates and the Reformer and walking slash running. So I guess three.
0: I love those. Yeah, anything I can do outside, I'll do outside. So I love hiking, I love running. I love yoga, that's probably my favorite. But recently I have been doing Pilates because I'm really trying to get a stronger core. And Megaformer Pilates is, is like, the best core workout I've ever done.
1: Very true. I love Megaformer and Reformer. So good. Any tips for getting out of a mental or physical slump? My biggest tips is, if you're in a mental slump, journal. If you're in a physical slump, journal, too. Just write everything out and try to mind dump recurrently. Like, I've been doing it every morning, game-changing a key to getting out of a slump is like, maybe you're just too repetitive with your routines or just doing the same things. So like trying something new for the first time or changing up your workout or like just changing something.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I think adding on to that, it's important to ask yourself if the things you do actually make you happy because sometimes we do things because we think we're supposed to do them. And we're not actually spending our free time that we have so little of in this world. Like I realized recently, I spend way too much time alone and I love being alone. Like I've never had a hard time being by myself, but it actually makes me really happy to be around my friends as much as I can and around my family as much as I can. Thank you so much for coming on Carolina. Oh
1: thank you for having me. this was so lovely and I just had so much fun.
0: Yeah, such a good conversation. Thank you guys so much for listening. love your friends Sion
1: and Carolina.